the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When your principles cause you to lose something, and then should we let our kids have sleepovers? A famous movie star takes a social media health break, and later, has the value of expertise died? You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Wednesday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian From Aubrey, it's Wednesday. It is hump day. It is hump day. We're glad that you are with us on a beautiful late summer, early fall day. It is beautiful out there. You know what else it is, Brian? What it, uh, I don't know. My son's 16th birthday. Oh, 16 yes, is big. Yes, my oldest son is 16 today. Feelings about that? Are you good? No, I, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I think the 18 is what's going to throw me off, but I'm I'm good with 16. But 16 opens the door to driver's Which license. We desperately need another driver in our house, so I'm like, you get that license, boy. Let's go. Has he let's done go, let's all go. the work he's to get there? He's very close. He's got a few more hours of observation with his driver's ed instructor, and then he's ready to go. But it's a weird, like, him and his friends, I mean, it's not just him, it's like his whole crew of friends are kind of like... Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll get my license. I don't understand that, but okay. it's true. I was like, on my 16th birthday, I mean, I like set my alarm yes. like 5 a.m., yes. raced to the DMV, got my license, drove to the mall. Like, I mean, I was so excited. And they're all so weird about when it. I, where I grew up in New Jersey, it's 17 in New Jersey. Okay. And uh, it was a thing where in school you knew on someone's birthday – they weren't going to be in school they're going to get their license. because you're like yes. 8 a.m. You're there. Yeah. yeah, I do not understand it, but you're right. My daughter, Madeline, who's now 18, mm-hmm. she got hers as quickly as she okay. could, but she had so many friends. It was like, eh, it's so, I, and I don't understand that. I don't either. It is. I'm like, do you guys know the freedom? Like if, I mean, and you know, it's not like we have a car for our kid, but still just that, like the freedom of the drive. I still like that. I can get in a car and drive wherever I want. <laughs> you to. still are I'm amazed. Still they gave like, you a license. Yes, I have a license. So let me, maybe your experience will be different, but let me disappoint you with something oh, here. Okay. I thought upon my daughter getting her license that I'd have all this freedom and she would be driving my, her younger siblings around and stuff. Yeah. Happened happening. a lot less than I'd oh, hoped. Okay. And in fact, it just became more stressful of trying to figure out who gets the car. Okay, and, all right. And you know what else your kids don't do? What? Pay for gas. <laughs> that's a good point. That's and a you're really also good about point. to, you got to throw that third kid on the insurance. That's no joke either. Oh, I'm depressing you on wow, your son's this birthday. Is such a sad happy conversation. Wow. Birthday. wow. Happy 16th, Eli. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> happy 16th birthday. Well, we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, all right, Aubrey, in, po- in the world of politics, there was a major, um, not unexpected event last night, but a major one nonetheless, as in the Republican primary out there in the state of Wyoming, uh, Liz Cheney, who was many people thought was one day going to be the Speaker of the House, right. uh, she didn't just lose, but she lost by a lot mm. to a, um, we will call it a... Uh, a strange person that okay. somebody it's somebody who is a bit eclectic. We'll put it that way. But the important part of the story here is Liz Cheney on the January 6th commission. Yeah. Been a vocal 
vocal. In fact, in her concession speech last night, she basically said, I'm going to commit myself to making sure Donald Trump doesn't get elected again. Uh, Trump endorsed the other person, obviously, and went all in on it. And there was a bit of a referendum. Now, a couple different backgrounds. Trump won Wyoming with 70 percent. So that's kind of Trump country. Yeah. Right. And so. Uh, but here's the weird thing as I was reading. Liz Cheney voted. Actually, when you talk about actual legislation, mm-hmm. Liz Cheney voted over 90% of the time in step with President Trump yeah, when he was president. A, she is a conservative. Her dad is Dick Cheney. Right, I right, mean, like, right. And, and so she actually, when it comes to policy, mm-hmm. Liz Cheney actually voted very much in step with Donald Trump, but yeah. she vehemently against trump january 6th commission all of this stuff i want you to hear she said something really interesting and kind of where i want to take this listen to what she said in her concession speech this is not a game every one of us must be committed to the eternal defense of this miraculous experiment called america and at the heart of our democratic process are elections they are the foundational principle of our constitution Two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear. But it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. All right, so she says, hey, listen, years ago I won this primary by with 73% of the vote, and I know the pathway to getting there again yeah. if I just, yay, President Trump, yay this, mm. yay that, if I just – but that's not what I thought was right. This is not wow. a – this is not a – a pro or against President Trump thing, but I found this very interesting about somebody who said – um, these are my principles. Right. And you could disagree with her principles. Yeah. Don't get sure, me wrong here. Sure. You could disagree with her principles here. But she said, uh, this is what I think is right. This is what I think is wrong. This is what I think is mm. um, what goes with my conscience. Mm. And she knew that it was going to cause her to lose um I find that, again, regardless of your politics, I do find the standing on your principles somewhat impressive. Because she could have, she could have, you know, another tactic is you toe the line, you say the right things, you get Get the win, and then you kind of say, here's what I, you know, here's what I've been about this whole time. Sort of like a bait and switch, but she didn't do that. She actually, I agree with you. It is impressive because it speaks of... You know what it speaks of? What we've, yes, what we've been calling for over the past several months here, like... Where are the political leaders of integrity? Where are the political leaders of their word? And here again, whether you agree or disagree with her stances against Trump. okay, that's not really the conversation. She still said, these are my principles. This is what I think is right. Even if I lose, I'm going to stand for them. Unfortunately, that doesn't get rewarded. And that's discouraging to me. But I I am impressed. I am impressed that she um, held her ground. Yeah. So let's swing this to the church before we swing back to it again. Yeah. Um, we see a lot in the church. Like we, we, it's easy to see in the political sphere. But let's be honest: we see a lot of times in the Christian world, in the church world, people 
choosing between expediency and principles. People going, nope, this is how I'm going to keep the most people on my side. This is how I'm going to get that next job at a bigger church. This is how I'm going to... I would suggest that we as Christians are never are never called to choose expediency over principles. That we're mm. supposed to um, even mm. take the arrows that come yeah. with standing up for what we believe is mm. right. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and we do see, you know, because it's almost formulaic. Like you know what you need to say. To get, yes. I'm thinking of social media in particular. You know what you need to say in order to get more likes and shares and followers, and the algorithm puts you up towards the top, like if you're sort of a lightning rod. And I do know some people who really believe, like, almost like um, the lesser of two evils. Yeah. I'm going to choose the one that gets me a larger audience, therefore I can XYZ. But I think at the end of the day, Brian, what you're saying, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I think is that that only diminishes your witness. Mm, yeah. Because at the end of the day, um, sort of, I don't know, whether it's like bragging or speaking falsely or being arrogant or saying something just to get attention, none of that is like built on solid ground, mm-hmm. right? That's all shifting sand and sift- shifting sand of social media. And so if you want to be someone who like, has integrity and stands firm and has a clear, strong witness for Jesus Christ. We're not saying be perfect, but be the same on the inside as you are on the outside and don't play games. There you go. Stand up for what you believe is right and be willing to take the the arrows and the fire that comes with this. Now, Liz Cheney, let's... uh, She's not going away. Right. In fact, many people believe she's going to be kind of the anti-Trump presidential candidate. So I don't think she's going away. Uh, you're going to see her on lots of news shows. Right, you're going right. to see her. Uh, this is not riding off into the sunset. But again, regardless of your politics, I do think there is honor in going, I know what I believe and I know that what I believe is going to cause me to lose my job. Right. There's lose a cost some standing. To I it. mean, for goodness sake, she got 73% of the vote I last mean. time, and only one thing has changed not how she votes, but who she backs. Isn't that unbelievable? And, uh, and mm-hmm. away she goes. So, kind of the politics of our world wow. right now. Uh, here we go. All right, Aubrey, you and I said. Uh, you said that your son, your oldest, turned 16 today. Yes, it's his 16th birthday. And then my middle son will be 13 on Sunday. Wow. So we Close got, birthdays. Yeah, we got birthdays right in a row here. This is our birthday week. My poor uh, my poor 10-year-old doesn't have a birthday till November, though. So he's just like watching watching while all the other kids open presents and eat cake and have birthday parties. And... So did you grow up this way <clears throat> when I only have one sibling? Okay, same. When our birthdays came around, the other sibling also got gifts. What? Yes. No, not no. not nearly as many. So it wasn't like equal wow. like it was Christmas. Yeah. But I knew on my brother's birthday, I might get a gift or two. Yeah. Really? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, our, our executive producer, Keith Conrad, has given me a thumbs up that what? that was also the case. Wait, pause. So I don't pause. do this for my own children. What? Yes. What? Okay, hold up. It's you don't want your kid to feel left out. It's not Christmas. It's their birthday. I no, 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 no. I, absolutely not. Like, so, I think your birthday, well, you know, this, I like my birthday celebrated in the same way. I love celebrating people's birthdays, especially my kiddos. So my when husband. is your husband's birthday? You're in March, right? Yeah, he's the day before me. Oh, Remember? that's right. March then this 19th. doesn't work. Let's pretend okay. he was 
September 19th. Okay, yeah, our, his half birthday. And somebody said to you, you know, Aubrey, like, we're going to give Kevin all these gifts, but uh-huh. we want you to have a gift. You turn that away? No, I wouldn't turn it away, but, like, I would never make it a habit of, like, we'll also celebrate other people. No, it's your birthday. It wasn't celebrating. It was just, I don't get me wrong. This I like, don't do this in my own family. I, what? I, I am aghast <laughs> right now at your parents. I Look, Understand I actually, that- I'm a big fan of participation trophies, which I don't think you yes. are, but I yes. am. But this strikes me as the bad use of a participation trophy. Like, all you weren't I'm, born that day. It's all, not your day. First of all, like, you did anything to be born that day. But uh, I'm just going to point sorry. out that we have a three-person team here, you, me, and Keith. And you're the only one whose parents did not do this. Tell me the justification behind it. Like, oh, poor little Brian. We don't want him to feel left out. It's a celebration. We don't want to teach our to son feel... to celebrate someone else. It always has to be about him. Like I said, my brother's gifts were probably 10 to 1, right? This and vice versa. Insanity. I think you should try it this year with your no, kids. this is absolutely Ask your insanity. husband what he thinks. Yeah, he'll be like, don't get them presents at all. <laughs> don't spend money on them. I feel. <laughs> Yesterday he goes, <laughs> Yesterday he goes. so what did we get Eli for his birthday? And I was like, do you mean what did I get Eli for his birthday? And he goes, I took the kid hiking and gave him life lessons this summer. What did you do? And I was like, well, I bought his birthday presents like I do every year. So we have that conversation in my house all the time. Hey, what did we get the kids for Christmas this year? No, makes me so mad. It's the beauty of marriage. We each have roles, you know? We each oh, yeah. have roles. The so. husband doesn't do anything. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Just kidding. But but honestly, I feel this way about Christmas, too. Like, if I were just to not do what I do, we would show up on Christmas morning, birthday mornings. There'd be nothing. Because Kevin be okay would just, like, assume, like, oh, Aubrey's done it well, all. You know, we're, we're teaching the kids a life lesson. <laughs> I bought a gift for the other siblings, but not for you on your birthday. <laughs> this, no, 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 no. All right. So here's a – I found this to be fascinating. You and I, I feel like we're going to have to soon rename our show that we're now the old people who yell at younger people, right? <laughs> That's and so, accurate. That's happening. Isn't we're, it? Uh, this is going to go from the common good to get off my lawn with Aubrey and Brian. <laughs> so here's – with that in mind, I found this over at the New York Post. It was Gen Xers and Millennials, it says this, might have grown up sleeping over at friends' houses, binging on video yeah. games, having pillow fights, and indulging in prank calls. But when it comes to their own kids, they're saying no to such revelry. They quote one particular parent who has nine children who has stopped allowing or not even stopped, doesn't allow their kids to have any sleepovers. An absolute no go, they say, until they're the age of 16. Uh, They she says she fears that her kids will be exposed to online pornography and violence, as well as predators on social media or even in person. If they're sleeping outside of her home, there are a lot of wild cards nowadays, she said, especially with technology and what's able to be accessed. It's scary now. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And it goes on to say uh, that this was a viral trend on TikTok, trying to say that uh, overnighters are too risky. Mm. Uh, They they allow kids to get into things that you might not be happy with. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering, because I'm assuming you grew up with sleepovers. Yeah, I, I definitely. All the time. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like almost every weekend I was at a friend's house or they were at my house. Yep. I, I will say, I mean, my parents knew their parents well. Yes. Like there were, there were some, I would think, assumed and shared values. Now, were we always doing those? No, we were getting into trouble and doing things we shouldn't have done sometimes. Sometimes we weren't. We were just staying up way too late. Um, so this is this is different. I will say, like, 
shockingly, my husband Kevin has been kind of strict about some of these things with sleepovers, and like has has either said no or has had really long talks with our boys about like if this comes up online, if somebody starts yep. watching this movie, if you hear this, and and he's taken he's towed a harder line than I have, honestly. Mm. Um, but <laughs> to be real honest, I mean, we let our kids do sleepovers, period. But um. Some of the reasons when we say no or why we say no is mostly because they're like little jerks the next day. Like they stay up all night and then they're just like terrible to be around. And then we have to go back to school. And so sometimes Kevin and I are like, that is not worth it. But um, this is interesting. The hashtag no sleepovers movement. And I struggle with uh, because I get it. I do. My wife and I. She just doesn't like having, let, let me just put it this way. Our kids are older now, but especially when they're younger, she just doesn't like having the birds out of the nest. Yeah, you know what I mean? I get that. I'll never I forget. I'll never forget Madeline, our oldest, was in first grade, and I don't think we were prepared for the, or maybe second grade. I don't think we were prepared for it, and all of a sudden she got invited to a sleepover. Oh. And we did it without ever really talking, and it oh. was a family we didn't know, and my wife barely slapped. Oh, like, I think it I would have been that way too. Yeah. But for the most part, they sleep over right their best friend's it's houses. It's a friend's house. You know that. You know the value. Use, you know, yep. rules. So, yeah. is this wisdom or is this over parenting and helicopter parenting that we talk about a lot? Yeah. Where now kids, my own kids, right? You don't really let them go roam the streets like we used to yeah. growing up or whatever yeah. else. Is this wh- where is this for you? Helicopter parenting or is this wisdom? I don't know. I mean, why not both? I guess, <laughs> like, as we like to say. A part of it, I think it depends on the kids. I think it depends on the family that they're sleeping over. Um, I I understand. I understand to protect them. At the end of the day, I do think like setting them up well for a sleepover feels like the wise move. Like, hey, let's. Hey, you want to have a sleepover? Let's talk about here are the rules. Yep. I'm gonna have a conversation with the parents. These are the expectations. If I find out you didn't obey those, we're not going to do a sleepover again. Like, it mm-hmm. feels like that is more intentional parenting than just, like, cutting it all off altogether. Now, I understand they're saying when they're 16. And I do think there's an age when they are too young. Like, I, I don't know. We don't love, like, we'll let our 13-year-old do it, our almost 13-year-old do it. Our 11-year-old still can't quite handle, or 10-year-old still can't quite handle sleepovers because he just doesn't sleep well. And yeah. then he, You know? So I think, again, it depends on the kids. Um but sleepovers were also like some of the best memories of childhood and yeah. how you make we friends. We did dumb stuff. We did dumb stuff. Totally. I I don't know. I guess I can see. I, I don't think I would draw as hard of a line. Yeah. Hashtag no sleepover. But I do think there's some wisdom in like having really good conversations with your kids about safety. And again, knowing the family. There is, I definitely would not do it if I didn't know the family. But yeah. there is something to be said about. Like I said, we joked about it in sleep, like having sleepovers with my good friends. That's when we did dumb stuff. So there's part of me that's like, hey, my kid needs to experience dumb stuff. Yeah, there is a little bit. But of there's that. also another part of me that's like, I don't want my kid doing dumb stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do you walk that line? This is a hard one. It really is because we also live in a new world. We do. You know, probably your kids' friends might be doing stuff, have access to things on their computer yeah. and phones that you don't want your kids yeah. seeing. And I'd also say this. I'll, I'll end with this. Give your kid talk to your kids about a way out. I think that's so wise. Hey, mom, I can't sleep yeah. or I'm not feeling well. We once yeah. got called for one of our kids like one in the morning. Hey, they're not feeling well. Yeah. And I just think they couldn't sleep. Or, yeah. or hey, we're watching something that 
Yeah. I know you wouldn't want, like, have that conversation. Like, so, how, and you can have a text code, like, send me this emoji and that's the sign I come get you. Like, it doesn't have to be a whole embarrassing thing in front of their friends, but there can be, like, rescue words, my, right? My wife's family, and it's a running joke what to this it? day. What is it? Uh, I'll still call my wife sometimes and just yell the word. Uh, <laughs> if you use the word spaghetti. Stop. Is that the It was, code? like, is it was code, code for come get me. <laughs> like, something's going on. Like, we're watching something. And so, just call like, spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> But I do think there's wisdom in having Good. some sort of way of communicating. Uh, so this is interesting. Helicopter parenting or wisdom? Like you said, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, and every family needs to have these conversations mm-hmm. and figure out what you're going to do. Aubrey, we love to do quizzes lately. I did Marvel movie yeah, or Bible. Last week we pulled out a fun one. It was contemporary uh, <laughs> worship song or a love song. That one was really good. That I feel like it, you find the best quizzes. I'm always looking for them to give them back to yep, you, and yep. you you just come at me with good ones. I do. And today is this one is going to be a couple things of your um, kind of that go with uh, your love. Yeah. In college, you were a theater major, or, or at least you did theater, so you love Shakespeare. And you also love the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, oftentimes people get the two confused. <laughs> so today we are going to play uh, a little game called Bible or Shakespeare. Man, I, this one feels like I, I felt this way with the Taylor Swift lament one. Like there's a lot at stake because I sort of you. said I like I care about these things. So I, I do. I feel some pressure right now. I okay. got to shake that off. This is just for fun, Brian. And I always give you the background a little bit. Yeah. I feel like. To make this more Shakespearean, mm-hmm. these feel the Bible quotes also feel very King Jamesian. Ooh, that's going to be rough because I'm not very. familiar I don't with know KJ. that that's true, but okay. it, it feels like it. Are All you right. ready? Uh, I think so. Here we go. All right, here we go. Weeping may endure for a night, but, but joy, joy cometh in the morning. the morning. That's the Bible. That is correct. Psalm thirty. I know that verse because five. of the song. Yes. Na, 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 na. Yeah. What a piece of work is a man. What a piece of work is a man. That's Shakespeare. Correct. From Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah. Two. I actually knew that was Hamlet, but don't. I won't get all of them. Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears. Bible. Correct. Jeremiah 9.1. You're three for three. I, thought, I was thinking Lamentations, but same author. Neither a borrower or a lender nor a lender be. Shakespeare. Hamlet. Act one. You're you're you get these. Well, we'll see. How poor are they that have not patience? Shakespeare. Correct. Yes. Can you now tell me which one it was in? I don't know. Othello. Nice. Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. (laughs) What? I got to go Shakespeare. Incorrect. Oh. That is Job chapter 5 verse 7. as the sparks fly upward. That's a cool book title. Does that have to be... King James, right? I mean, I've never heard anyone say it's the sparks fly upward, but I like it. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That's the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That's Shakespeare. Is that not the book of James? James chapter 4, verse 14. Oh. Oh, there you go. I got one. Nice job. Okay. This above all. To thine own self be true. That's Shakespeare. In Hamlet. A lot of Hamlet in this one. Give me my robe. Put on my (laughs) crown. I have immortal longings in me. Oh, 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 Shakespeare. That is Shakespeare. Cleopatra. A merry merry heart doeth good like a medicine. 
<laughs> that sounds like a proverb. I'm going to go Bible. Proverbs 17, nice. 22. <laughs> Stay with me, flagons. Comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. Ooh, is that Song of Solomon? I'm going Bible. Song of Solomon, yes, chapter yes. 2, verse 5. Nice. Flagons. <laughs> All right, this one, this one, this one has great words. I'm going to have to like settle oh, in to be able okay, to say this okay. one. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. <laughs> That's the Bible. That's Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 22. <laughs> Today I'm going to try to use the word whoso. Would you use flagons as well? <laughs> I said I don't know what they are. I don't know if I'm saying bad things. Google flagons. <laughs> For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out of it. Ah, uh, Shakespeare. The Bible, First oh, Timothy chapter oh. 6, verse 7. Or that is also a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last four have been Bible. Man, okay. All right. For there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. <laughs> Don't these sound like Jeopardy answers or Yoda? Like they sound like that they're in the wrong like way. sounds like Yoda. Uh, Shakespeare. Correct. Another <laughs> Hamlet. Okay, wow, I they the love author, Hamlet. I think the author only knew Hamlet. Yeah, they just Googled Hamlet quotes. Lord, what fools these mortals be. Oh, Shakespeare. Correct, a Midsummer Night's Dream. All right, you have four more left. Oh, okay, okay. Uneasy okay. lies the head that wears Where's a the crown. crown. That's Shakespeare. All right, Henry the Fourth. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's got to be Song of that, Solomon, no, right? No, that's Shakespeare. Ecclesiastes. Oh, I meant Ecclesiastes, oh, not Song okay, of Solomon. That makes sense yeah. now that you say it. That is Ecclesiastes. The better part of valor is discretion. Ah, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Henry like the just, Fourth. At this point, I'm just saying Shakespeare. See what it is. This one, that last one. <laughs> okay, last here we one. go. Here we go. And this one has uh, a word in it that I'm also <laughs> going to try to use. We already said we're going to try to use what word? Huso, Huso and flagons. Flagons. <laughs> <laughs> Sparks fly upward. <laughs> you ready? This oh. one doesn't say glistens. It says all that glisters is, is not gold. Is not gold. All that that's, glisters. That's from J.R.R. Tolkien. So I'm going to go Shakespeare. Uh, that was Shakespeare, the Merchant of Venice. Yes. Uh, Aubrey, you did 16 out of 20. Okay, not bad, not bad. You got 80%. Okay, not bad. The average score on this is 60%. Hey! It says, you want to know what it tells you? Yes, please. You and this quiz go together like chocolate and peanut butter. What? I love that. Okay, do you want like to know what a flagon is? Do you want to know what a flagon is? <laughs> yes, I do. A flagon is a large container in which a drink is served, typically with a handle and a spout. So a cup. Uh, some you can look up flagons and dragons, and it's a whole website. So wait, it's like a cup. It's more like a. It sounds like a like a cup of you, a pitcher, an old fashioned pitcher. So how does that make sense in the Song of Solomon two five? Stay with me, flagons. Comfort me with apples. Maybe it's like the people who poured the drinks were the flagons, and so they're like, "Bring me the drink and the apples. Bring me my <laughs> wine and my apples, flagons. Whoso you are, <laughs> you're gonna go with whoso <laughs> glisters and all of that." So Aubrey knows her Shakespeare. She knows Woo! her Bible. It's Aubrey, good. we like to have fun with these quizzes, but we always end with this question: Why is it important to know the Bible? <laughs> Inspire some people. Oh, why is it important? You're asking great questions today, Brian. Well, one, it's the word of God. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how if we want to know God, 
sometimes we go, God, we can't hear you. God, where are you? God, I don't know if I know God. And it's like, well, here's the Bible. Like God has actually spoken, given to us his very words. And Mm. I think the beautiful thing about our Christian theology is so much is dependent on the incarnation, Jesus, like God himself becoming flesh. In one sense, the Bible is sort of another version of an incarnation because God's word became like paper for us, you know, so that we actually can access God's word. And then the Holy Spirit uses that to transform our lives. And I think to just encourage our souls as well and to give us a a North Star when things feel very wishy-washy. I also think you should know Shakespeare because it's just good literature and good storytelling. Yes, and I love the fact that you did Shakespeare. You did plays. You did it all. Yeah. someday, someday we're just going to have you do a nine-minute soliloquy. I could do. I could do the Henry V prologue. That like would be from fun. Memory. I mean, I can start it. Oh, oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention, I'm a bored. kingdom for a stage. I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored Brian's already. Like done, Brian. You said, I think it was yesterday's show that you had considered. Taking a social media break. I do. I don't ever have the guts to not guts isn't the right word, but like I just never actually take that step. I, I want to at the be, at, at the very least, I want to curate better yeah. what I'm seeing. Okay, I don't know if you've known this, but on Twitter, it's actually relatively new. And I think it's the most annoying thing in the world. What's that? Is that I know it's not like new as in like this week. It's been going on for a while now, but Twitter made a decision to start going down the path of not just showing you people that you follow, yes. but also showing you people they think you would like to yes, follow based, on, based on who you follow. I find that so yeah. aggravating that I'm like, I used to really like Twitter because right. I've chosen exactly right. who I want right. to see. And now that it's not like that, I think it's pushing me to want to be done. Yeah, lots of people are like, I see them on Twitter going, what is with the new algorithm? Yeah. What is happening? Instagram has changed its algorithm a little bit lately. And I think I told you, I don't know if I told you this, Brian, or I told somebody else. I was listening to the uh, was listening to the news, and they were saying Facebook is now going to make a change, or, or Meta is going to make a change, where um, they're trying to tap into the TikTok popularity and like the Instagram Reels popularity, and now Facebook is going to favor videos oh. over anything else. So it's going to look a little bit more like a video social media, and so. Uh, this is what's interesting to me about social media is it is always changing. Like they're always making micro changes on some of these platforms and then making larger changes. Right. And it is a little, it can be a little jarring and annoying, frankly. I felt that on Twitter too. Like, and you just have to ask, why are they doing it? Yeah, like that's the constant yeah. question with social media because it's just a money making venture, right? right? So why are they doing this? Uh, but yeah, I have considered, I'm more or less off of Facebook now, Yeah, but I have considered just being done. I don't know. Can I don't we, know what stops me. Let's have me. a conversation though about why, because I think it's really important, like, because I felt that I've taken, you know, quote unquote, social media Sabbaths every once in a while, and I've sometimes toyed with- And you've with, declared, I'm, I'm on a break. I'm on social media, <laughs> which Brian says I shouldn't do, by the way, in case you're wondering. Yes. Um, Talk to me about why, like, what's the impetus for- Quitting, for me, it's back. two. Yeah. For me, it's two things. I think one, I am too tied to my phone, mm. and I think the major part that ties me to my phone is I'm at a stoplight. Let's yeah. see what's on Twitter. Yeah, I'm here. like I do think it's not like I'm tied to my phone because of my email. Right. I'm not tied to my phone because of games that I'm playing. Yeah. I'm tied to my phone almost 
exclusively because of social media. Yeah. And, I, and I feel that and I feel that disconnection and I don't like it. Yeah. Like, I do believe there's some addictive stuff mm-hmm. to there it. There totally is. Uh, so that's one. And two, I've no doubt that social media, especially the new algorithms with Twitter and stuff, are forming some thought processes in me, making me angry about things yeah. or this, that. And I just don't yeah. like it. Like, I, wa- I do miss... I know the answer is then just do it, right? right? I do right. miss some simplicity of life without knowing yeah. what everyone's doing know. and There's knowing. There's some truth to that. But I do. There are some things that I would miss, right? Like yeah. knowing in real time what's happening with the Mets right, or right. knowing these things. Like I would miss. So I'm trying to figure out what's the best answer. I do need some better social media uh, discipline. Mm-hmm. So maybe the answer is not just wiping it all clear, right. but there is. I'm uncomfortable with how it is now. So I do want to make some changes. We had that author on uh, Felicia, uh, uh, Felicia Wu, Su, Song, Wu. Su Wong. Felicia yes. Su Wong. She, uh, she wrote a book called Restless Devices. And that book was so good. And she actually, I remember one day uh, she writes about, I think it was during COVID. She kind of said the same thing you're saying, Brian. And then she just did it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly she was not on Facebook, not on Twitter, not on Instagram, just done. And what's wild is you're reading her book, and now I'm looking to like follow her as an author, and you can't. It's not there. She That's has awesome. a blo- she has a blog, so she does Let me blog. Follow but like the person she who said I'm off. And what's interesting about that to me as an author, Brian, is I kind of use my my writing as well, I can't get off social media because that's how I connect with mm-hmm, readers and that's mm-hmm. how I encourage people. And that's how social- you tell us about Wordle. That's how I tell you about Wordle, especially <laughs> on Twitter, but like on Instagram, especially I'm trying to encourage people and have a conversation with people. But I do think sometimes I could get rid of Facebook and Twitter and not think twice about it. I think so. And so, but then what the hard part is when you don't, you're like, ah, should I just do it? Should I bite the bullet? I don't know. It it does feel mm-hmm. harder maybe than it should because it's sort of like if you know it's good for you, why don't you do it? It's like if you know you shouldn't smoke, like quit smoking. Correct. I don't know. It's, it's it's strange the hold that it does have on us. Um, so interestingly, uh, we're seeing more and more celebrities kind of take a step from touring, take a step from uh, things like social media. And one of the most recent ones to do so was Tom Holland, who is, you know, Ba- most uh, famous for Spider-Man, Batman, but I meant Spider-Man. Superman. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> I think he's most famous for dating Zendaya. Well, that's probably true. But he announced he's taking a break from social media for mental health. He has, I guess, in the past deleted Instagram and says that Instagram and Twitter are overstimulating, overwhelming. And so he's decided to take a um, take a break. And here's what he says. I think this is so true for so many people. He says, I get caught up and I spiral when I read things about me online, and ultimately it's very detrimental to my mental state. So I decided to take a step back and delete the app, the Spider-Man No Way Home actor said. This is from the HuffPost. Holland revealed the news while advocating for apps from teenage mental health advocacy group STEM4, a group his charitable organization, The Brothers Trust, supports. There is an awful stigma against mental health, and I know that asking for help and seeking help isn't something that we should be ashamed of. But it's something that's much easier said than done. So hopefully he's talking about these apps that he yeah. has for mental health will be a step towards being happier and healthier. And I do I um I appreciate someone with his platform because like for you and I to step away from social media, I mean, there may be some followers mm-hmm. who would be like, Oh, Where? okay, that's wow, I don't know how to get a hold of them now. But for someone like Tom Holland, that makes a statement. Yes. Don't you think? Like, I feel like he's setting an example for, yes. for his fans and a followers. A couple different statements it makes. One, 
I'm like one of the biggest movie stars right now. I'm dating one of the biggest movie stars right now. Like you would think everything's in order and he's going, there's things about social media and other things that mess with my mental health. Yeah. Like you're like, okay, this isn't just a haves and have nots type of thing. Like there's, there's ways that it's set up. And then someone like him who, I mean, I know he's kind of beyond this. There's people doing publicity for him and all of this stuff. But sure. I would have to think it takes a little bit of his ability to reach his fans and other things to get off of social media. And and so I, I do think it's good for somebody like him to come out and explain why and say, hey, um, you know, I don't know. There, there's so much there's so much about social media that I find detrimental. Aubrey. One of the things like one of the things that unnerves me about Facebook is the number of my friends from my past who I see fishing for compliments all the time. Mm. And that always makes me sad. Yeah. Like what is it that, that is, it's not just, I posted this and I want you to like it. Like that's got its own problems, but like, Oh, I'm, 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 you know, at this stage of my life, I'm just so thankful for what all of you have Mm. done in my life. You know, let me know, remind me where we, and you're just like, Oh. And I feel like I see that more and kind more. And I, I just don't want that in my life. Yeah. So I, I, I appreciate somebody like Tom Holland going, hey, there's an issue here. Yep, yep. Anyway, it's certainly something to think about. I think this is what's complicated is there is a place to use social media for ministry and to encourage people. Then there's a place where it does start to sort of like suck your soul dry. And I think you have to decide before the Lord and, and with your community, is it time to take a break? Earlier in the show, we had a conversation uh, about praying Forgive us our debts Mm -hmm. and sort of the value of doing that consistently. That was from an article by Kevin DeYoung. And he talks about how the point of that is not because we need to keep praying for God to justify us as if he's our judge. But it reminds us that God is our father. Like if I forget to ask forgiveness today, then my sins aren't forgiven and I'm going to hell. Like that's not what we're talking. Right. We're talking about sort of like right sizing your relationship with God, knowing he's your father and not not your judge once you're forgiven in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So that got me thinking, Brian, I am, I am supposed to, every once in a while I like to just have you help me write messages. And I'm supposed to give a message on grace coming up uh, here pretty soon. And I was thinking about how little I think I, though I understand conceptually grace and I've experienced the grace of God in my life as a Christian, how, um, how difficult grace, the concept of grace is yeah. really to sort of like put words to and wrap your mind around. You told me there's a great acronym from your youth group days. How do you not know this? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I I just missed out on some of these church culture things. I, I think I like, told I'll you. pause right now for our listeners who grew up in the church and go, think about the acronym you learned for grace to define grace. And if I know youth group well, I think you know the one I'm talking about. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. <laughs> I love that. Grace. Unpack that. God's riches. Uh, that that we have been given um, forgiveness and life and hope that we have not earned, but we have received through the life, death, and resurrection yeah, of Jesus yeah. Christ. And so um, – you know, I, I, you know, you might be able to parse the words at Christ's expense and right. come up with something better, but right. you got to make it be an A, C, and an E, right? right? And so uh, the idea of grace being it is not earned. Mm. Uh, when I show grace to my kids, yeah. it's not based on what they've earned. Yeah. When God shows grace to me, when my employee, you know, all of yeah. these things, that's what grace is. It's not earned. Uh, it is given. Yeah. And, and then 
Yeah, so that's where you get Do that you acronym. Think, are grace and mercy the same thing? Oh, that's a good question. I know that they're I feel like different. I use them interchangeably, but I wonder if that's right or wrong. Or maybe it's not right or wrong. It's just a preference or something. But I, I wonder like what scholars would say about the difference grace between grace and, and mercy. Grace and mercy the same thing. There's got to be let's 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 unpack that for a little bit because there's got to be differences, there's gotta right? Be differences. Okay, so here here is um over at Desiring God, John Piper is talking about grace, and he says he describes grace as undeserved favor. This is the undeserved favor of God. We are just he's quoting Romans three here. We're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, and then he goes on to say grace is what inclines God to give gifts that are free and undeserved by sinners. Okay, mm. So grace as undeserved favor. He goes on to describe grace as power for living. Quote 2 Corinthians 9, 8 here. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He says, now that seems to picture grace as a power or an influence for obedience. And then... um he talks about grace as a, a way to put the pieces together, like that um, in a puzzle of life, it's God's grace that makes all of the pieces fit. So, um, I think I got the difference. Yeah, I just looked hear. it up. I, I think this is good. Uh, mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment, okay. while grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor. Oh. So this gotcha. person says, "Okay." This person says, "In His mercy, God does not give us punishment we deserve, okay. while in His grace, God gives us the gift we do not deserve." Ah, uh, okay, that's. I good. like that. That's yeah. good to, because I think we know there's a difference between right. grace and mercy, but I've never really sat down and thought. That's yeah, why me I like either. having a microphone yeah, in front of me. Yeah, this is kind of fun. We're Let's learning go. as we go. Yeah, but but I think at the very core, I don't think we can overstate this enough. At the very core of who we are as Christians and how we see God, yeah. how we see ourselves, how we see justification, all of it lies this idea and this concept of grace. Like you can't be a Christian with a uh, without understanding the grace you've been mm, given. Yeah, that that's good. Um, I Piper is over here talking about how if once I thought of grace only as a character trait or displ- uh, disposition. In the nature of God. So like part of God's character, which I think is also true, but he goes on to say that grace also refers to the action, the power, the influence, or the force of this disposition, which Mm. produces real practical outcomes in people's lives. So grace seems to be uh, something in God's character, but also something that God does. Yeah. So why do we struggle with grace? Yeah, that's what I I was literally just sitting here thinking. Why do we struggle with grace? It's like so outside of our human um, way of thinking. You, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, we are so sort of born with this innate sense of, I think it is one sense, an innate sense of justice, though maybe flawed, well, do, though definitely flawed by our sin. Like it's like uh, we want to see this for that. We want to th- see things being fair and equal. We want to, I mean, you know, my kids, I feel like are born with this. That's not fair. Why did they get that? Mm. And I didn't get that. And we're yeah. also, I think, sort of twisted in our, some of this is a scarcity mindset. Like we're twisted by sin and we think we don't have enough. We'll never yeah. be enough. We're 
And grace is so opposed to that. Like grace is about God's abundance and unmerited favor and good gifts. And it's just like so foreign to our human way of thinking, which is a little bit sad, honestly. But then you go, well, thanks be to God that he showed us this thing that we can't even make sense of. Um, And yet I do think, I think that's why it's hard. What I think I'm struggling with, Brian, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is then how do you get better, better. at understanding? <laughs> how do I do or, grace better? How do I do grace better? Which obviously is the wrong question to be asking. But like, how, how do we increase our understanding of grace? Yeah, I think it's... A, it's how do we, we grow in grace as the Bible talks about? Grow in the about. grace, right? Yeah. And um, I think it begins with a proper understanding of who we are and what we deserve apart from God's grace. Yeah. Because we talked about the Pharisees yesterday, right? Like for them, it it seems to have been, I'm good enough. Look at me. Look mm-hmm. what I do. I think a proper understanding of apart from Christ, I am lost. Yeah. I am dead in my transgressions, yeah. all of this stuff. I think a proper understanding of who I am apart from God's grace then sets us up for but look at the grace I've been given. I think anytime it gets into our mind, I've earned heaven. <laughs> I've earned God's favor. Right, right. But that's like none of us would ever say that, but we live that way. And then I think once that gets into my own self-righteousness gets into the conversation, grace becomes minimized. My mm. need for, oh, it's a nice little tack on yeah. word we give. No, yeah. There, there's when we see people coming to Jesus in the gospels, they are like so... Uh, aware of their need for him. Yeah. Like I need what you can, only you mm. can give me when we understand that. Then I think grace grows for us. We understand the, our need for, for grace, but I do think we can become legalistic over time and just go, I'm good. Right. I'm better than that right. person. Right. God, give them your grace. Mm-hmm. No, no, we are in constant need of our heavenly father's grace. Yeah. That's, that's such a, that's such a good word that uh, we constantly need God's grace, which I think is what, forgives us, blesses us, uh, you know, the good gifts we have in our life, the forgiveness, salvation we have, we constantly need to remember that we need that. And yet simultaneously, I think we have to be able to like walk freely in it. Yeah. Like, we have God's grace. And so it's an interest, certainly an interesting concept to keep talking That's about. Right. Grace, mercy, all good things. It's the old, from uh, God. It's the old Philip Yancey book, right? What's so yeah, amazing about yeah. grace? If you've lost the amazement of grace, mm. that's a big warning sign for you to go. Mm. Okay, something's wrong. Let's figure it out. Let's let's have some thoughts on yeah, this. Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna go home and have birthday cake with my son for his 16th birthday. Well, you shouldn't have birthday cake. It's his birthday. <laughs> Presents, Brian. <laughs> presents. I'm not buying everyone presents. Only him. Hey, you want to know a little like insider info? Our sometimes guest co-host, Catherine McNeil, her daughter, who's I think 12, 11, 12, has a little like homespun baking company and she's baking the cake for my son's birthday. Gutsy. It's called a Portillo's knockoff cake. So Uh we'll see. We'll see if it's as good as Portillo's. Or if you should have gone to (laughs) Portillo's. Portillo's. We'll find out. That's cute though, right? That is cute. Yeah, I think that's really cute. All right. Well, it is the end of the show and we hope you're going home to some cake of your own or an enjoyable evening somehow. The end of the show, we like to bring you something encouraging or challenging or something to put a smile on your face. Tom Rayner, a guy that we sometimes go to over at churchanswers.com, is sharing 10 incredible pieces of advice his mom and dad gave him. Hmm. Now, before we read his, 
Anything come to mind for you, Brian? Like best advice your parents have given you? I'm putting you on the spot. You are. I remember a story. I've shared this from the pulpit once that there was a time uh, when I was in high school. Yeah. I was graduating. Yeah. So finals didn't matter. I remember none of the finals that I could take. I don't know why they still made us take them, but none of the finals I could take could really change my grade. I was yeah. graduating, all this stuff, and I kind of blew them off and didn't do very well on them. <laughs> and I remember my dad getting mad. Oh. And I was like laughing. Yeah. I was like, what's the point? It doesn't change yeah. the grade. And I remember him saying something to the effect of, uh, when you put your name on something, you do the best. Ooh. Like that kind of concept. And that stuck with me. Like, okay. Yeah. It's not always about the grade. Yeah. It's not always about what other people say about it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, I'm going to do my best because my name's on it. Mm. And I'm going to give the best that I can. So oh, I still thought so it was good. funny that I did poorly on the finals, but... As a life principle, yeah. I think that works. What yeah. about you? What comes to mind? I, you know, I think of my mom, and I wouldn't say that she ever did this outright as advice, but I would say, you know how some things are more caught than taught? Like, yep. I don't remember a morning when my mom wasn't reading her Bible, praying, and writing mm. in her journal. I, I don't. Like, I would wake up every morning. I know exactly where she is in her chair, and she's just such a student of God's Word. And my mom is not a, like, bang you over the head, you know, with Christianity type of person. But like, if you hear my mom pray, she prays scripture mm, because it's like, that's good. it's like in her vocabulary. And I feel like that to me was like a learned, a learned skill, a learned habit, a learned love and passion that she didn't, I don't even think, she, you know, it was never, she wasn't even like, come on, Aubrey, let's do a right. Bible study together. But I just saw that example. And now that I'm older, looking back on that, wow, she's just faithfully praying for us our whole lives. And Here's a challenging question. Jesus. Yeah. What will our kids say? I know. I think that's a really challenging. <laughs> what, what will they say? What will they say? Yeah. Like, what do I want them to say? Yeah. And what will they actually say yeah. when they go back? Oh, here's what I learned from yeah. mom and dad. Like, are they going to go? I don't know. Like, right. I don't know. You know, have we not mm-hmm. been vocal enough about Here's some life lessons. I wonder that too. Have I been vocal enough or just yeah. sort of let them learn as they go? My, you know what's funny is my dad, my dad is a big advice giver. Okay. Um, but his are more like business skills. My dad was a big businessman growing up, but he cut my sister and I, and dad, if you're listening, I love you so much. <laughs> but my sister and I joke about this all the time because his, his business skills were sort of like stuck in the 80s, like when he was at his all time high, because it's still like, he still reminds my sister and I like we need like pantyhose for business interviews. We need a briefcase, like things That's like awesome. that. And we're like, Dad, Dad, times have changed. His also my dad's other big piece of advice, which I actually think this is good advice. I think I might have told you this before, but uh, Lombardi time, like growing oh, yes. up, we five minutes early. Yeah, we had well, we had to be ten minutes early to oh. everything. I have not stuck with that as much growing up, but like. Or now that I'm an adult, but when I was in the house, like if you were not 10 minutes early, you were late. And my really? dad drilled that into us. Yeah, for sure. Okay, here are some of the um, here are some of the pieces of advice that Tom Rayner, again, over at Church Leaders or Church Answers, is sharing with us. Uh, one, this is from his dad. Never let your circumstances determine your failure, failures or success. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, two, this is from his mom, read, there is no better exercise for the mind. Mm. Three, this is from his mom, generosity should be second nature to you. Four, this is from his dad, loyalty is a trait that will define your life with joy. This is from his mom, number five, understand history well, it will prepare you for the future. Mm. This is from his dad, I like this one, number six, silence is often a good response. 
This is from his mom and dad. Number seven, love your children. They are your greatest treasures. Mm. This is from his dad. Number eight, if you're worried and troubled, take a nap. It will do you wonders. Take a nap. That, what, what is your parents' advice? Take, take a, a nap. nap. This is from his mom. Encouragement is the greatest gift you can give your children. And this is the last one. Number 10, from both of his parents, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Um, this one is a little sad. He's lost both of his parents. He says, mm-hmm. I grieve that neither mom or dad got to see their grandchildren grow up. Dad didn't live long enough to see all his grandchildren born. But I know one thing. I will see them again. Um, and he's compiling a journal right now with advice for his own kids. Isn't that cool? That's really good. That's good. What is one thing that you wish your kids would take from you? Oh, man. That's such a rough, hard question. I feel like... I. We've talked about this before when we have legacy conversations. Mm -hmm. I just hope they feel unconditionally loved and encouraged. And I don't know that I always do a good job about that as a mom. Because there are days when, like, they drive me crazy or I'm distracted and busy and I forget to just stop and encourage them and, like, let them know how loved they are. And then I do hope, I really pray and hope that my kids get a hold of faith and love Jesus. Or Jesus gets a hold of them and increases their faith, I should say. Yeah, I hope my kids leave my house Obviously, with the value of family, yeah, like that, yeah. that we, but also the value of fun. Mm. Like, I hope they look back on their days in our house and go, you know what, we laughed a lot. That's like good. I liked being in the house. Yeah. Not every day, sure. We had our moments, sure. But that in general, when we went away, when we ate dinner, like there was laughter, yeah. there was fun, and not take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Like, I hope, That's I good. hope my kids are they have that as part of them going forward. Yeah, that's that's good. So I feel like if you're a parent or a grandparent, this is a good thing to think about. What pieces of advice do you want your kids to have now? What do you want them remember when they're looking back? Maybe you can be more intentional about sharing that with them, writing it in a journal for them, or just like kind mm-hmm. of in, uh, putting it into the culture of your family so that they look back and see the, the values that you yep. want to pass on to them. Anyway, we hope that encourages you today. Um, 10 pieces of advice my mom and dad gave me from Tom Rainer over at Church Leaders. And we will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.